This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. I want to start this khutbah with a dua that the Prophet made alayhi salatu wasalam. Allahumma inni abdukam min ilmin la Oh Allah, I seek refuge with you from knowledge that doesn't benefit. Um, I, I found out that you all like long khutbahs. This is what we hear. I ain't going to do that. I'm like a short khutbah man, hit it, and then get off it, inshallah. So if you're looking for this long, long khutbah, what they gave me, I ain't going to do it, inshallah. But I do pray that what we're going to have today is going to be beneficial to all of us. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, there was a young man from this area of Washington, D.C. Every time I came to do a program in Washington, D.C., him and his friends would come and they'd see me. And after every program, they would take me to a restaurant and we would stay and we would talk. This brother, he moved from Washington, D.C. to California. Recently, he came back to see me in New York City. He said, Imam Siraj, I want to be brutally honest with you. He said... I hate going to Juma prayer. I hate it. I said, why? He said, Imam, because it's not relevant. I don't feel like the khutbah is relevant. I feel like I waste my time. So therefore, one of my supplications today is that we don't waste your time. That every one of us here needs something. And I don't know it, Allah knows it. Therefore, I'm asking Allah to give to me what you need. And if Allah answers our dua, call Rabbukum Udu'uni Astajiblakum. Your Lord said, Call upon me, I will answer. If Allah answers that, then every one of us who's sitting here, even the Imams themselves, including myself, inshallah we get something from this khutbah, inshallah. Sure. Uh, I was asked to talk about the responsibility of the Muslims in Howard University. So I'm going to deal with that slightly. But two things I'm going to focus on. Number one, I'm going to focus on you. What you have to do for yourself. Your responsibility for yourself. And then number two, the responsibility to others. This is the, the main topic, inshallah. I, I want to first say what the Prophet said, alayhi salatu wasalam. المؤمن قوي خير وحبه لله من المؤمن ضعيف وفي كل خير. A strong believer is better and more loved by Allah than a weak believer, though there's good in all of them. So even the weak Muslim and Imams have to be aware that this is the way, this is our culture, this is the reality of which you live in. Every Muslim ain't on the highest level. And nor did the Prophet think it, nor did Allah think it. He knew that. So therefore, I'm going to try to give a khutbah taking into consideration the, the great disparity of, of Muslims and the level of, 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 of our image. First, ourselves. I've had so many conversations like this. You ask a Muslim, are you a Muslim? You say, of course I'm a Muslim. Hollywood, they deny it. Some now even deny that. If you ask them the question, do you make salat? 
No. You fast in Ramadan? No. But you can't tell them that they're not Muslims. And I give you a long history of, of, of people who call themselves Muslims and they don't even do the basics. I just remember I was in the Oslo, Norway two weeks ago. I found out for the first time in the history of Norway, there are more atheists than Christians. 39% of the people in Norway are atheists. And 37% are Christians in a small Muslim community. In France, did you know that 64% of the people in France consider themselves Roman Catholic? 64%, that's 41 million people in France consider themselves Roman Catholic. Interesting. But the thing that you should know is that only 4% of them are practicing Roman Catholic. If you study the way this thing is going, we have a major problem. I spoke to a Muslim the other day, he was in my office, alhamdulillah, immigrant brother, <coughs> had been on drugs, and he told me, Imam, I want to do something, I want, I want to give back to the community, so we've been talking, I introduced him to another brother, and he started telling me about the Muslims in Detroit, I have no way of verifying, tell me, but he said to me, Imam, in Detroit, more Muslims are arrested than non-Muslims. He gave me a long list of his friends died of overdose, Muslims that of overdose of drugs. <coughs> and he told me about the situation of the Muslims around the country. And I'm hearing this from other Muslims, how uh, leaving the fold of Islam. So the first thing I want to I want to focus on is ourselves. That's why Kulan Fusukum Wahikum Narin Allah says save yourselves first and your family from fire. No. Just give you something background information about our Prophet, peace and blessings. A man came to the Prophet who wanted to learn about Islam. And the Prophet said, Khamsa Salawat, five prayers a day. And listen to what the man said. Hal alayya gairuhunna qala la ila antitawwa. So the man said, is there, is there more than these five prayers? He said, no. Except what is extra. And then the Prophet said, fast in the month of Ramadan. Is anything more than this Ramadan? Anything more than those fast and Ramadan? He said, no, except what is extra. And then the Prophet said, Zakat. Is it more than that? Zakat. He said, no, except what is extra. Then the man turned around and walked away and said, Wallahi, la azidu ala hadha wa la ankusu minhu. I swear by Allah, I'm not going to decrease it or add to it. Qala aflaha in sadaqa. The Prophet said, he will be successful if he's telling the truth. You all bear witness. Five prayers a day, right? Mm-hmm. Mandatory. Consider this. I, I, I hope that someone here knows mathematics and you have to help me. I know it's June when you can't talk, but you have you indicate to me. Right? 
Here's the Prophet, peace and blessing be upon him. I'm going to tell you something too, by the way. Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessing be upon him. Wallahi, I love him more than any combination of human beings ever combined together. That's how much I love him. Wallahi. I, I love Imam Talib, but Imam, I'm sorry, I love the Prophet more than I love you. Here he goes. He goes to the heavens, and Allah gives him the commandment of Salat. You all know. How many prayers Allah commanded? Fifty. And listen to the words of the Prophet. Farajitu bidalika hatta maratu ala Musa. And I returned with it until I met Moses. Now this this is think for me. Think. Fifty prayers a day. Allah told him, and you know, Prophet. And Musa said. Did Allah order you? He said, 50 prayers. Farjit ila rabika fa inna umataka yantatiku dhalika. Go back to your Lord and ask him to reduce it. Your umma can't do that. You know the story. He goes back and forth until he's down to five. You know what Moses said? Farjit ila rabika fa inna umataka yantatiku dhalika. Go back and ask your Lord to reduce it because your people will not be able to do it. Are you kidding me? You know what 50 prayers a day is? You know math. You look like you know math. Let me tell you what 50 prayers a day is. That means you go to the masjid and you make one of those 50 prayers. You go home. Oops! I'm going to go back. I'm do my second prayer. Every 28.8 minutes, you got to make another prayer. You can't even sleep through the night because you gotta get up and you gotta make another prayer. And you know what? Our prophet, Salaam, was willing to do it. Moses said, "Go back." Now the prophet is embarrassed. I can't go back. Ask Allah to reduce five. But how many Muslims can't even do five prayers? I tell you something that happened. I was at actually the, uh, one of the eight prayers in one of the cities in America. I'll never forget this. And it was about nine o'clock in the morning. And uh, I was sitting down, and the people were behind me. And the order, the leader of the organization said, oh, Brothers and sisters, I, I have an announcement to make. Imam Suraj is about to lead the, the Eid prayer, but it's important that any of you who didn't make your Fajr prayer this morning, you should get up now and make your Fajr prayer before Imam Suraj leads the Eid prayer. So I'm saying, I ain't going to look. I'm not going to look to see how many people are going to get up and make Fajr prayer. I'm not going to look. Until I heard a lot of movement, ruffling of clothing. And the curiosity got the best of me. So I turned around and, oh my goodness, lo and behold, maybe 60% of the people praying Salat to Fajr at 9 o'clock. I'm not making a judgment. That's not my point. My point is, what's the condition of the Muslims? Are there more Muslims who go to the masjid or more Muslims don't go to the masjid? Are there more Muslim women wearing hijab or Muslim women not wearing hijab? What's the reality? Allah knows best. But what I'm saying today, our responsibility is for ourselves. Do you know that there's an ayah in the Quran? You know, sometimes if you read the Quran, the people of Jannah will speak to the people of hell. And the people of Jannah will ask the people of hell, what got you here? One of the things they will say, 
we were not of those who kept up salah. You get punished by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for not making salah. So the first thing I, I, I just want to take a, a moment to emphasize is about our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, before I move on to our responsibility to others, I, I want to give you, show you something about our Prophet, peace and blessing be upon him. What a tremendous teacher he was. He was a phenomenal teacher. Um, and he was a motivator. And I want to give you one example. This hadith was narrated by Anas ibn Nabi. He said, one day, we were sitting with the Prophet, and he said, soon there's going to become, come a man, min ahli jannah, a man from the jannah. And as soon as he said that, a man walked in, his beard was dripping from the water of, of prostration, he had his sandals in his left hand, The next day, the same thing happened. The Prophet said, Soon will come a man of the people of Jannah. That same man came in again in the same condition, holding the sandals in his left hand and his beard dripping from wool. The third day, the Prophet said the same thing and the same man came in and the Prophet got up and walked away. One of the companions, I know his name, I don't want to tell you his name yet. One of the companions, companions of the Prophet got up and followed that man. He said, I had some issue with my father and I would like to stay with you for three days. And the man said, okay. We don't even know the man's name. Rajunun. Amen. We don't even know his name. I know the name of the man who followed him. I don't want to tell you yet. So he goes and he stays in his house for three days. So when this man went to sleep. This other Muslim who followed him is like waiting for him to get up at night for Salat uh, Tahajjud. I mean, of course, he's going to get up. And he doesn't get up the entire night. But he notices that whenever he changes position, he praises Allah. And that's it. After three days, this man, this Muslim came to this man and said, you know what? I didn't have an issue with my father. I did that because I wanted to stay with you for three days. Because the Prophet said this about you, that you are people of Jannah, and I wanted to know why, but I didn't say anything spectacular about you. What is it that you do? What, why did the Prophet say that? And he, he, he said, this is it, I, I don't know. So then this Muslim, I know his name, I'm not going to tell you yet, he starts to walk away. And the man said, wait a minute, there's one thing. He said, you know what, I don't have any grudge on anybody, I don't envy anybody. And so this Muslim said, that must be it. You know what Muslim that was? You know who the man who followed that man, we still don't know his name. You know who it was who followed that man, do you have any idea? His name is Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As. Say so. So? You know who Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As, you don't know, you know who he was? The Prophet, peace and blessing be upon him, once came to this same brother Abdullah. He said, is it correct what I hear that you said that you will fast every day? And he said, yes. He said, don't do it. This prophet saying this to Abdullah. This Abdullah is the man following this man, want to know what is he doing? 
uh, that the prophet said he didn't have Jannah so that he can do the same thing. So he go to Jannah. He want to fast every day. The prophet said, don't do it. He said, fast three days a month. He said, I can do more than that. He said, okay. Then fast the month of, the fast the fast of David, every other day. He said, I can do more than that. He said, there's nothing better than that. Also, this man, Abdullah, he prayed the entire night and read the Quran once every day. Lord. And the prophet, peace and blessing be upon him, said, I know a lot better than you. I pray and I sleep. Dawood, the best salat, he prayed and he slept. He said, sleep and pray. As far as the Quran, don't read the Quran in, 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 in one day. Read it every month. He said, I can do better than that. The bottom line, the prophet said, okay, every seven days. What's my point? My point is, as much as Abdullah did, he didn't feel that he did enough. And I'm thinking, why did the prophet do that? Why he do that? I don't want to call him Imam, I don't want to call him a psychologist. Because that, I don't, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to cheapen the prophet. He's a blessing of Allah. Master motivator. He knows what he's doing. First of all, the prophet don't know nobody that's going to go to Jannah except Allah reveal it. He don't have, he don't, he don't know the unseen except for Allah reveal it. So Allah revealed it to the prophet, peace and blessing be upon him. Why? So that the companions always be motivated. I can give you more, but let's skip that for now. And let's get into the point. And, and I'm going to conclude with this. Most of you know by now that Hajj is, that, that Hajj is father. Right? And the prophet, the prophet, Allah has made and coming upon you, make Hajj. So therefore make Hajj. And all the Imams, Ahmed ibn Hamu, Imam, uh, Imam uh, Malik, Shafi'i, Abu Hanifa, all of them say it's his father. But, Imam Ahmed ibn Hamu says something different. He says, is fard fawran. Is fard fawran. What does that mean? It means that it is not only fard, but it's immediate. It's not just fard. It's immediate, meaning... When you have the ability to, you have to do it. I was in a, a blessed to make Hajj last year, and we were about to come out of the Prophet's Masjid. And on my right were some brothers from um, uh, um, Bosnia. And, and, and in the back, one of the, one of the brothers was playfully tapping on one of the Bosnian brothers in front of them and, and hiding. And when I saw that, and, and by the way, you, you probably wonder how I know it was from Bosnia, right? Because in the back of all of their shirts, it said Bosnia. <laughs> so I, I, I assumed it was from Bosnia. Two years ago, a man, Muslim in Bosnia, wanted to make Hajj. He had no money, but 280 euro dollars. No, he did. He walked from Bosnia to Mecca. 3,600 miles. I drive my car 900 miles from New York to Atlanta. And I'm tired when I get there. I drive my car 900 miles and I'm tired when I get there. Sometimes I have to rest on the way there. He walked 300 and what? 
he went 304, uh, 314 days, seven different countries. One of the countries, Syria, dangerous, and he did it. Why? Because the Prophet said, Because an accepted pilgrimage, there's no reward except intent. I'm saying, and there are people, Muslims, millions of dollars, go all over the world, have never made Hajj. How is that possible? I, I, I remember um, I was in Medina. His young brother came to me. He said, Imam Siraj, I want to tell you about my first Hajj. What about your first Hajj? He said, you know, right now you have to go for Hajj to travel agents. So he went to a travel agent and said, you know, I want to make Hajj, but I have two problems. He said, what are they? He said, you know, I'm a college student, so I only have a small window to make the Hajj. Can you make it happen? He said, yes, no problem. He said, what's the second problem? He said, the second problem is I ain't got no money. You know what he said? No problem. Pay this way. I know the owner. I know him. I went to him. I said, Mustafa, this young boy said, he said, it's true. It's true. You know why? Because he had the audacity to ask. He wanted to make, he wanted to make Hajj. Allah made it happen for him. How many of us do we don't even care? So alhamdulillah, brothers and sisters, I close by saying, be strong. Be strong Muslim. If you are on the edge of something, Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help you to get back. Alhamdulillah, <laughs> Rabbulalaihi. Brothers and sisters, I have um, a charge for you. Howard University is a traditional um, black college. My brother went here, he graduated, Gregory Kears. My cousin, Jacqueline Mann, graduated from here. I love Howard University. I, I'm gonna say something you may disagree with, but I, I, I believe it's strong. The condition of the African-American people right now demands that we pay attention, demands it. And I think that uh, a university, like Howard University, should do something about it. And let me tell you why I say this. I learned Imam by accident something. I've shared some things with you, Imam. I'm gonna share them t today with, 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 with everyone here. But I learned something by accident. Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessing be upon him, Salam different than any other prophet in this regard. He said, every prophet was sent to his own people. Mm. And when Moses said to his people, Oh, children of Israel, I am the messenger of Allah to you. Every prophet came to their people except Muhammad Muhammad is the exception, not the rule. Allah revealed in the Quran that he's never sent a prophet except speaking into the language of his people. 
in order that he may make them understand. Muhammad والسلام, is different. We said in Arabic Quran, right? Muhammad spoke Arabic, right? He didn't speak English, he didn't speak French, he didn't speak German, he spoke Arabic. Now the great wisdom of Allah is that for the first time in history, it's not the prophet speaking the language of his people, it's the people speaking the language of the prophet. Allah, Allah. So everybody, everybody learn Arabic language. Imam, this is what I learned. I'm going to give you three examples and I'm going to save the best example for last. I found out that if you help your people where you are, don't skip over them, don't jump over them. We know that Islam is universal. We know that. But don't, don't skip over them. If you focus on your people, Allah will do something wonderful. I'll show you what I mean. When you get a chance, study 1964 Civil Rights Act. Have you read it? The, civil, the 1964 Civil Rights Act didn't say it um, prohibited uh, uh, what they, what's that word they use? Discrimination against black people. It didn't say that. It didn't say that. Go look at it. It prohibited discrimination against a person's color, their race, their religion, their sex, and their origin, a place of origin. Everybody benefited from it. So Don Martin Luther King Jr. and others were working on behalf of his oppressed people, everybody benefited. Number one. Number two. Mel Tyler will tell you. 34 years ago, 25 African Americans started Master the Taco in Brooklyn in one of the worst parts of the city. I'm talking about blight, drugs, guns, firing, all of that. And we, the brothers and sisters of Master the Taco, we established that. 25 African Americans did that. And Imam, we never said that we only gonna talk to black people. Today you come to Master the Taqwa, but Juma prayer, 1,300 people. Maybe, maybe 20% African Americans. Where does this come from? Let me give you the third example. And and Imam, when I thought about it, I said, SubhanAllah, you gotta understand this message. Allah says to the Prophet Muhammad, tell the people, I am a messenger of Allah to all of you. So Muhammad in Arab, in the Arabian Peninsula, teaching the people near him before he sent people out. But wait a minute. What's the percentage of Arabs of the Muslim Ummah? What percentage of the Muslim Ummah are Arabs? Huh? Maybe 15%. Max, 20%. 
Because it's a universal message. So even though you have people around you that are black and you should administer them, my position is that most people don't even care. People don't care. People don't care, brother, about people. Most people care about themselves. And this is why Martin Luther King Jr. said, life's most persist a persistent and urgent question is what are you doing for others? And if you study the religion of Islam, it's also about others. So the first thing, our responsibility to ourselves. Everyone of you is a shepherd, and everyone be held accountable for your flock. And then the Prophet said, Allah has never sent the Prophet except first as a shepherd. Every Prophet was a shepherd. Read the Bible. And the companion said, You too, Prophet Muhammad? You too were a shepherd? He said, Yes, I was a shepherd. Jesus was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. So when you look at the Muslims now, um, I don't. I have the I have the figures there written down. But you talk about two hundred million Muslims in Indonesia. You talk about uh, one hundred and seventy-four <coughs> million Muslims in Pakistan, Bangladesh, Niger, Nigeria, uh, 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 Turkey, uh, all over the world. They they Arabs. They're Muslims. I was in I was in Atlanta, Georgia at a Walmart two years ago. I'm at Walmart and a man comes to me and says, Assalamu alaikum. And I turned around, it was a Chinese man. And what looked like to be his wife and his and his and his daughter, none of there's nothing about them that made me think they're Muslim. Right? And I said, Assalamu alaikum. So alaikum salam. He's he's Chinese, but he's a Muslim. He said, you know, I just came here a few days ago and I want to know where can I get some halal meat? SubhanAllah, Chinese. So I said, give me your number. Give me your name, your number. I'll find out and I'll call you. I said, what's your name? He said, my name is Jonathan. I said, your name ain't Jonathan. <laughs> I know a name couldn't be Jonathan. Your name ain't no Jonathan. <laughs> I said, what's your real name? Now, I don't know exactly how he pronounced it. But I'm, I'm going to tell you what he said, something like this. He said, my name is Ayonzo Ayyadaw. I said, okay, Jonathan, I'm not going to. I got it, right? But the fact is, the fact is, all over the world, people are Muslims. Because of that man, Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa You see, Allah don't need any of us. Really, honestly, you don't need any of us. So I want you to think about this for a moment as, as I close. Um, Imam Abu Muslima, our, our dear friend Imam, invited me to, to lead the Eid prayer a couple of years ago. After the prayer, he took me in, in the back and they had a sheep for me to slaughter. I had my white toe on and they told me how to do it. I followed instructions very carefully. I did it and lay him down. Bismillah, Allahu Akbar! And I'm telling you, I didn't get one drop of blood on me. They showed me how to do it. But the thing that was interesting, Imam, is that this, this sheep, didn't move. Stay there. Don't you see Allah subjected for you everything in the heavens and earth? 
How you look like a tough guy. I think that you obey, you believe in Allah, you obey Him, and you try to do everything Allah told you to do. I'm actually question. You can't talk now. Just nod your head. Yes or no? What if Allah told you during the Hajj, instead of sacrificing a sheep, you had to sacrifice a lion? Think you would do it? Oh, stop it. Like, you gotta think about it. You ain't gonna sacrifice no lion. The only one here that will sacrifice a lion, maybe, maybe is Salakan, maybe. But the rest of us ain't gonna happen. The reason, the reason that Allah says sacrifice a sheep, because that's how they are. That's how docile they are. Most people like sheep. That's why the Prophet said that every prophet was first a shepherd. It's training. It's training when we deal with these sheep out here, and I'm telling you, most of the people are sheep. <laughs> Serious. It's sheep, most of the people, man. I, I, you know, I'm sorry, I gotta go. I gotta go, but I gotta tell you this first. Brother comes to my office, you know, crying, man, my, my daughter wants to marry a non-Muslim man. What am I gonna do? Can I bring her to you? It's Thursday. He comes to me with his daughter and his son and his wife. And the sister, I give her all the eyes from Quran, everything, what the scholars say about you can't marry a non-Muslim man. Period. She said, well, to me, it got to make sense. So I'm talking to you arguing about an hour. And Allah made me ask her this question, Imam. Because you're going to all this and do all of that. I said, sister, can I ask you? It's a personal question. Please don't get offended. But do you make salat? She said, no. And a mother bore witness, she don't make salat. So what am I, what am I doing? What, why am I arguing about something like that? There's some plain things. You gotta make prayer five times a day. You're not doing that. Your issue, sister, ain't with this man. And not only, he not, because Allah in Quran permitted for you to marry are the chaste women of the people of the book for the man. And Allah said also in the Quran, you don't marry the pagan women until they believe. So if you're a servant of Allah, I'm not going to go against what Allah said. Allah said, don't marry the pagan women until they believe. What do you look like? And so, he's not even a, he's not even the people of the book. You, I ain't trying to be smart, but he's Sikh. You want to marry a Sikh? I said, why? Why do you want to marry a non-Muslim man? Oh, because he better than some of the Muslims. Okay. But there are a lot of good Muslims out there that's better than him. So in the end, the issue is the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the issue. All this other stuff, man, all that other stuff don't, don't mean nothing. Bottom line, are you a believer? If you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you're going to do the right thing. I close with this. We have a lot of work to do. Honestly, we have a lot of work to do. There are people there that are struggling mightily. And I found out that if you go out there <coughs> And you ask the people, you'd be surprised how many people come to Islam. The guidance is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'll never forget, man. I'll never forget. And I, I listen, this is the last thing. I'll never forget two story, man, about 20 years ago. My mother, non-Muslim, she said, son, I want you and the family to come to our house for Thanksgiving dinner. Bring the family. 
somebody would have said, stop for the law, you know, this is a big and all of this, stop for the law, how could you? I said, okay, mom, but let, let us, we bring the meat. She said, okay. We go to my mother's house. At that time, I had about six or seven children. Had a few more after that. <laughs> so we all sitting down at the table, and my mother said, son, bless the table. So I made the dua. My son, Muhammad, this is the one who wants to be like his dad, right? Dresses like his dad. He's, you know, he always want to hang out with me. He's five years old. He's sitting to my left. He says, Granny, my mother, when are you and Pow Pow, Pow Pow, my stepfather, they call him Pow Pow, when are you and Pow Pow going to become Muslims anyway? It's straight up. I mean, you know, we beat him up. Oh, you know, uh, you know, we beat him around the bush. Straight up, five years old. <laughs> no, mother said. She said, you know what? We might as well do it right now. Because of my five-year-old son. Asked him. That's all he did. He just asked him. Shocked us. Hey, but we looking around. And you'd be surprised, brothers and sisters. I, I once a brother, a Muslim brother, picked me up in Little Virginia, picked me from the airport. And we driving, right? So we get to a, uh, one of those tow booths. So we get to the tow booth. He gives the money to the lady, and the lady says to the brother, he had a nice jelly on. She said, oh man, that's nice. That's a nice dress. He said, thank you, and he drove away. I said, brother, do you know that every day Allah gives us an opportunity to give dawah in a very easy way? You could have said something. She got nothing from what you said. Had you said, you know what, this is a Muslim dress and we try to be modest, and, you know, something. And every day you're going to find out there's an opportunity for you to invite somebody to Islam. Question is, do you care? Most of us don't care. I'm telling you something. Me, I love black people. I love black people. Me and I, even Tom was talking about coming in at Howard University, man. It's something. No, I love all people. <laughs> but you know, it's something about because if, we, because if I ask you, are you my people? You would say no. You would say no. But if I ask you, are you my brother? You say yes. You see something about the Prophet, peace and blessing be upon him? Anas ibn Malik said that the Prophet raised his hand and said, Allahumma ummati ummati. What the cat? Allahumma ummati ummati. What the cat? So, oh Allah, my ummah, my ummah. And then he cried. <clears throat> Listen to this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to Jibril, Yeah, Jibril. Oh Jibreel, go to Muhammad and ask him why is he crying? What? Are you kidding me? A teardrop of Muhammad, Allah hears it and responds to it. And why he crying? He's concerned about his ummah. Not just black people. See? Not just black people. He's concerned about the ummah, which is the whole earth. So brothers and sisters, I say to you, number one, take care of your deen. Don't die, except as a Muslim. Don't gamble. Don't, when I say don't gamble, don't gamble your faith. And there's a lot of resistance out there to bring us about back from, from faith to disbelief. 
So stay strong, number one. And number two, go out to the world. You are the best of the people involved for mankind because you enjoy the good and you forbid the evil. Go out there and invite the people to Islam. Right on the college campus, you'd be surprised. We ask Allah the Almighty to have mercy upon us